I never thought I'd be a coffee drinker. Growing up, neither of my parents ever drank coffee. It was not ever a thing in our house. We didn't even have a coffee pot. And when I would see other kids drink coffee, I was scandalized because I thought that was an adult drink. I was just never really exposed to that, and that wasn't a big part of my life, and I never thought that I'd ever be a coffee drinker until everything changed. (laughs) It all started my senior year of high school. You may remember in 2009, Sonic Drive-In got what was called the Java Chillers, and they were the most amazing thing that Sonic has ever decided to do. And in fact, they don't have it anymore, which is such a sadness. I don't know why or what happened. I don't know the full story there. I do know that it was probably a million calories, but it was so good. It was basically just this ice cream shake with all kinds of sugar and syrup, and they would throw in a thing of espresso. And I liked it. It's interesting. I didn't like coffee, but I really liked that, and, it, and I would go and get that pretty often, and I developed a liking for these Java chillers, and I didn't drink it because I needed coffee. I just really loved the taste. Well, soon after, I end up in college, and now most of my friends drink coffee all the time. They had already developed their addiction to coffee way before me, and, um, and so we would spend a lot of time in coffee shops, as most college students do thinking about studying and not actually studying. And, and naturally, you know what you do, you have to go up and get a thing of coffee, your coffee drink. So I didn't know what I was going to get, so I got the thing that resembled the Java Chiller the most, Frappuccino. Still mostly sugar and uh, frozen ice, but they had espresso in it, and uh, certainly more than the Java Chillers, Java Chillers had. And I started to get a liking for the Frappuccino. My dentist didn't like it one bit. But I, I really liked the, fra- the Frappuccinos. And uh, the more and more time we would spend in coffee shops, the more I would kind of get courage to try something new. So I eventually found my way to the hot drinks. I started with the cappuccino, which is still not a whole lot of coffee because there's a lot of milk in a cappuccino. But, you know, it's still, and it's really fancy, and you add your sugar, of course. And eventually, I, I graduated to getting an actual cup of coffee. But of course, we've got to doctor that up a lot. So we've got to put all kinds of creamer, and you get all your flavored creamer, so it's really more sugar. And it's not a whole lot of coffee. But what started to happen as I would drink more and more of it is that I would do less and less cream and sugar and more and more coffee. We started to almost flip the turntables. And eventually, I don't know when it happened, one day I wake up. And I'm drinking black coffee. Yes. Black coffee. And I cannot even imagine all that nasty stuff I used to drink. All I want is a a black cup of coffee when I wake up. And I also cannot imagine a day waking up without having my black cup of coffee. No cream, no sugar. Just purity just black coffee. And um, it's wonderful. Uh, it's amazing how when I look at the whole story, I never thought I'd be a coffee drinker. And now I'm like, you know, the hardcore kind of coffee drinker. And, um, but, but each little step that I took along the way kind of increased my desire for more coffee. And we see this happen all the time. 
we are drawn by our desires towards things that we're attracted to. So, for example, you hear a good song on the radio or on your, uh, on your internet radio, and you have to figure out, well, who is that? And you figure out who sung that song. It's the first time you hear it. And you kind of look into that artist and maybe their album, and, and suddenly you're ex- you're, your eyes are open to a whole new uh, uh, album in music. Or, uh, or maybe you see this. This happens on the internet a lot where... Um, you know, maybe you're reading an article, and at the bottom of the article, there's more articles that you may like these also. Or, um, uh, or on YouTube, you're, you watch a video, and on the side, there's always related videos, and you say, wow, that one looks really interesting. And so you click on that, and you're kind of drawn to go a little bit deeper each time you're exposed to something, um, and your desires kind of lead you further. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing, so we have to keep our desires in check, but it's amazing how powerful desire can be. Y'all remember the mall? I don't even know if that's still a thing. I used to go to the mall when I was a kid. Um, and y'all remember like a mile away, you can't even see it yet, but you can smell Auntie Anne's pretzels. They're like, they're like you can just smell it. Like they like pump it in the air conditioned vents or something. It's like so strong. And like you just want a pretzel. I don't even like pretzels, but I want a pretzel because the smell is so good. Even worse, Abercrombie and Fitch, remember that store? You know, like a mile away, you smell the perfume and, or whatever, the cologne. And I don't know, I guess the teenagers flock. I, it never worked for me. It was gross. But, um, but that's their strategy. They like allure you to their store. But we kind of see that in the gospel today. What we see in today's gospel is that God draws us into discipleship. It's a wonderful story in today's gospel. In fact, uh, what's really great about it is, in some senses, it kind of summarizes all in one sacred story, all in one image for us, summarizes the whole spiritual life. What we see is a blind man named Bartimaeus. Bar-Timaeus. So Bar means son of, so it's the son of Timaeus. And he's a blind man. He's a beggar because he's blind. And back in the day, they didn't have the medical care that we are able to provide. And if you're blind, you're just out of luck. Blind beggar on the side of the road, ostracized, not part of society. And he hears Jesus of Nazareth is approaching. The crowd, whatever the scene is, he, he, he knows that it's coming near. And he apparently knows enough about Jesus to identify him for who he truly is. Although blind, he calls out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And so what we, what we encounter here is that this man, just like you and me sometimes, we will encounter Jesus in a powerful way, perhaps in an unexpected way, maybe in a way that we didn't plan on encountering him whenever we woke up earlier that morning. But suddenly, here comes Jesus, we encounter him, and immediately it sparks an interest. It sparks a conversion. We start to recognize our sinfulness and our weakness, and we cry out to Jesus because we recognize him for who he really is. An encounter leads to a conversion. That's what happens to Martimaeus. He sees Jesus for who he truly is. He cries out, Jesus, son of David identifying him as the 
descendant from David who will be the Messiah King, he identifies him as the Christ before many others even recognize him. And he cries out with all humility, have pity on me, this uh, manifesting his conversion and his desire to draw close to the Lord. Well, Jesus loves that. He loves the humility and he loves a good conversion. He's never afraid of our sins. What he is attracted to is our conversion. And so this repentance from Bartimaeus, have pity on me. Jesus stops. And the crowd is not happy about it. The crowd is focused on getting to where they're going. But yet Jesus stops and he says, call this man. So they obey. They they go to Bartimaeus. They say, come. Jesus is calling you. So Jesus very much responds to the initial desire that Bartimaeus expresses. He calls him and draws him deeper. And whenever he hears that Jesus is calling Bartimaeus, the blind man, throws off his cloak. This is potentially his only possession. This is a big deal. When a blind man throws away his own possession, he might have a hard time finding that again. His cloak, the shelter from wind, from rain, from cold, even from the summer's heat, the protection from wild animals and rats while he's sleeping, the blanket that gives him comfort while he sleeps in the streets, the the place where he's able to carry maybe the few coins that are thrown at him. This cloak is everything, and he throws it in order to approach Jesus with great enthusiasm, with sincere faith. The church fathers interpreted this as as blind Bartimaeus is throwing off his self-sufficiency, that he's no longer depending upon his own resources, but enthusiastically and wholeheartedly throwing himself to depend upon Jesus. Jesus loves that. He loves that great faith. He loves that great humility. And so as he comes closer, Jesus continues to pull out that desire from him, to call more from him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? If you remember, that question was actually posed last Sunday to James and John. We remember, this is just literally the few verses before this one. Jesus asked James and John the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And the apostles, James and John, the close friends of Jesus, they respond not with humility. They say, we want to sit at your right and your left. We want power, glory, and authority. And Jesus is very gentle with that and redirects their desires. But Bartimaeus gives us the other side. With great humility, he says, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to be restored. I I desire wholeness and healing. That's what I want. And Jesus loves to grant that request. As the divine physician, he loves more than anything else the desire to be healed. And only the Lord in his mercy and grace can provide the healing that we really need. Lord, I want to see. And it says that Jesus heals him. And in healing him, continues to draw Bartimaeus closer to himself. Bartimaeus has his sight restored and cannot help but overflow with the love and grace of God. And it says that he immediately 
follow Jesus on the way. Immediately dropped everything and followed him on the way. This way is St. Mark's way of uh, describing discipleship, this commitment to Jesus. In fact, we see this in the uh, Acts of the Apostles as well from St. Luke, where he describes the way as the early church, the, the Christians, the, the commitment to follow Jesus with their whole life. It's interesting because in Mark's gospel, there's a number of healings. This is the only time that the person who's healed is named, which is to suggest that if he's named, the early Christians would have recognized him. Well, the only reason that would be so is because he was a committed disciple of Christ. So we can see that there is this drawing, this increasing of desire from Bartimaeus that Jesus pulled out of him. And it began with a morning that he probably didn't even expect to be any different than the rest. But as he encountered Jesus and showed great humility in his conversion, he took small steps closer and closer to the Lord and eventually became a committed disciple of Christ. God draws us into discipleship. He doesn't force it upon us. He draws his disciples to a deeper and deeper commitment to encounter his love, his mercy, and his grace. And as we draw closer to the Lord, our desire for the Lord increases all the more. In a sense, our hearts expand. St. Augustine puts it like this, that whenever um, we desire God, our hearts are too small. Our hearts are too small to really fit the love of God within it. God is infinite, and our hearts are finite. But God expands our hearts. He expands our souls so that we can fit more and more of God within it. As we persevere in prayer, as we take small steps forward, more and more consistently forward in our faith, The Lord expands our hearts so that we can encounter more of his love, so that we can then be overflowed even more with it and share it with others. It's a gradual process of increasing desire. Just as my coffee habits increased over time with more and more choices towards coffee, and just as Bartimaeus' desire for Jesus increased more and more with every step forward that he took towards Jesus, so it is with our relationship with God. We take small steps forward, and each step forward closer to the Lord, our hearts expand and our desire increases, and the Lord draws us into discipleship. So I want you to consider this question honestly this morning. How much do you desire God himself. How big is that desire? How much do you long for God himself? On a scale of one to ten, ten being nothing but the Lord and one being you're repulsed by him, where would you put yourself? How much do you want it? Maybe you can see in your own life different seasons. There are times where we really desire God, where where perhaps it's our 
strongest desire. We want nothing else but God himself. And, and maybe we look at our lives and there's times where that desire dwindles. Prayer seems dark and desolate and hard. We get distracted, antsy, and bored whenever we think about things of the faith. And we prefer to do almost anything else. Maybe you're, you're looking at yourself and you're saying, wow, you know, I would really like to desire God, but I don't even know if I ever have desired God. God has just been one of those things I know I have to do. Maybe you don't even know what that's like. You don't even know where to begin. But you and I pray the same prayer as Bartimaeus. We truly, underneath all of our other desires, long to be with God. It's part of our design. And when we taste that desire, we start to recognize how much deeper that is than all of those other fleeting, temporary desires. We can pray the same prayer. Jesus, Son of David, have pity on me. Lord, increase my desire. Lord, have pity on me because I don't desire you, but I want to. Or, Lord, have pity on me because I once desired you, but I don't seem to be desiring you much now. Lord, have pity on me because I desire you right now. It's awesome, but I'm so sinful. I recognize my selfishness, and I continue to turn away from you. Lord, increase my desire. I've tasted the goodness of your love, and I want more of it. There's a great story of St. Thomas of Aquinas where... You might have heard of him. He's a great saint of, the, of a couple hundred years ago. He did a lot for the church. He, he, really, he was very smart, and he did a, a good job of kind of uh, systematically organizing all the theological teachings of our faith. Um, he was also a very holy priest, and there, um, there's just so much you could say about him. But he did so many good things for the church. And he had this vision of God in prayer one day. He was in the Adoration Chapel kneeling down, praying, and he had this vision. Jesus appeared to him and, and said, St. Thomas, well, he didn't call him saint yet. He said, Thomas, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done so many good things for my glory and for the church. I would like to bless you with something to reward you for your great service. What is it that you desire most? I'll just pause there. Imagine Jesus asking you that, just like he asked James and John, just like he asked Bartimaeus, just like he asked St. Thomas. What would you say? Be honest. Bigger house, a boat, a promotion, state championship, more money, more things, more fame. What would you tell Jesus? He says, I want to give you, if Jesus literally meant it and really desired to give you your deepest, your number one thing, you get one wish, what would it be? It's a big question, and it's almost terrifying to consider because it's a big commitment. What's the one thing that we want? If God really would give it to us, what's the one thing you would ask for? Well, St. Thomas was asked that question by God himself. And St. Thomas responded without hesitation. 
He said, nil nisi te domine, which is Latin for nothing but you, Lord. Nothing but you. Imagine the God of the universe gives you one wish, be anything. No matter how big or small it is, he'll give it to you. St. Thomas knew the right answer. So did Bartimaeus. Nothing but you, Lord. I desire you. I desire wholeness. I desire communion with you, God. Nothing else. Everything else is small compared to that one desire. If that is something that you want, praise God, because that is a grace in itself. And God has given you that desire. And maybe you've experienced that desire before, but you don't have it right now. And that's okay because we can ask God for that grace again. And maybe you've never experienced that before. Maybe that's so hard to relate to. That's okay too, because just like Bartimaeus, even the slightest step forward intrigues the Lord. And he wants to draw that desire out of you, that latent, hidden desire within you. It's there, and God wants to draw it out. He wants to draw that deepest, fundamental desire from you and keep it. St. Paul says to pray without ceasing. How is that possible? How can we pray all day long? We try. We say we give our day to the Lord in the morning, but then we get distracted. We get busy, stressed. How can we pray without ceasing? And St. Augustine gives us great wisdom. He says, the way that we pray without ceasing is by our desire. By desiring God above all things, first among everything else. This is how we pray without ceasing, that the desire is a prayer in itself. And it's a grace in itself because it comes from God. But we have to put ourselves in a position and in a disposition to maintain that desire. To allow the Holy Spirit to stir that desire within us so that we continue to take steps forward in our faith. So that we desire God above everything else. Desire comes from the Lord. It's a grace. So what I want us to do today, no matter where you fall on this scale of 1 to 10 on your desire for God first. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Lord, it's very simple. Lord, increase my desire for you. Lord, increase my desire for you. This is at the heart of being saved, of being healed. This is what it means to be Christian, to desire God and for that desire to be ever-increasing. For the rest of our life. So as we continue with this Mass, that will be our prayer today. Lord, increase my desire for you. As you go home today, you can pray that throughout the day whenever you get distracted. Lord, increase my desire for you. It mimics the prayer of Bartimaeus. Lord, I want to see. It mimics the prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas. Lord, nothing but you. Lord, increase my desire so that I may be filled with you. Amen.